It's time for Clockwise from the editors of PC World, Mac World, Tech Hive, Greenbot, and iMore, we'll say, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Recorded live at Macworld iWorld Thursday, March 27, 2014. Welcome to the live edition of the Clockwise Podcast. It's a podcast where we are sit on, sitting together on stage talking into microphones. I am your co-host, Jason Snell, Editorial Director at IDG, and sitting two people down from me <laughs> is my fellow co-host, Dan Morin. Hi, we, Dan. We've really made this complicated. Usually, we, we should have a circle. We should be in a circle it so we could literally be clockwise. It would be appropriate, Well, sadly. we have to change the name of the podcast to left to right. <laughs> to line. Which it's is weird. less interesting. It is very strange. All right, sitting next to me is our designated guest when we're doing things off format. It's his third visit to Clockwise. It's Rene Ritchie of iMore. Hi, Rene. It is an honor to be back. I love being like the remote dude. Yeah, so Montreal, Las Vegas, yeah. and now San Francisco. I'm working my way west. Yes, that's right. Next stop, Hawaii. <laughs> I'll be there. Do we get to go? As long as we get to go to Hawaii, I'm okay with it. Sure, you have to pay your own way, though. Uh, uh, I think is. I'll Skype in. Uh, to my left, see, that still works. <laughs> to my left is Macworld Senior Editor Roman Loyola. Roman is returning for, I don't remember what number of time, but you've been on before a few times. I've actually been on once before. That's <laughs> so at least, yeah, okay, you've been on. That this isn't a really game saying. show, so you can't lose like on the Pundit Show. <laughs> right. so that's good. Yes. The That's points good. are even less useful than usual. <laughs> so here's how this works. Uh, we do a podcast every week called Clockwise. We talk for 30 minutes, four topics, 30 minutes, or your pizza is free. We're going to keep it short and give you a, a little variety. And since I am the person who started talking first, I am the sucker who has to have the first topic. My topic is this, wearables. We've talked a lot to death, in fact, about what Apple is going to do. Is Apple going to do a smartwatch? Are they going to do some other kind of device? I wanted to get your perspective on what Apple is going to do and what the reaction to it is going to be, because I think that's interesting. And I, I will start by saying, I think Apple is going to do some sort of wearable device. It'll either be a smartwatch or a, uh, a fitness band. But I'm more interested in what the reaction will be, which is that people are going to have a freak out because it's, even if it's wildly successful, it will never be as successful as an iPhone or an iPad. And everybody will say, see, this is another reason why Apple is doomed. When in fact, I think wearables are always going to be a secondary thing that ties into to things like smartphones and tablets and the cloud rather than being this thing that everybody has to have one and it costs $600 and the margins are great, because that's not going to happen. But I'm interested in what you guys think Apple is going to do, and what will the, the reaction be to whatever you uh, think they're going to do? Renee, what do you think? Uh, I think the iWatch, iBand thing will be very similar to the Apple TV, where, like you said, it's not a standalone product, but it increases the value of my iPhone or my iPad because it's closer to me. It's like a deployed sensor on a Starship or something, the forward sensor. It can accumulate more data. Maybe it can project my notifications. Not too much to look at on its own, but as taken as part of the, the ecosystem, the whole gives me greater value overall, and Apple will be doomed. And that, that'll be the reaction? Is Wall Street will say that, yes. Fair enough. Dan, what do you think? Uh, I, I lean very heavily towards the fitness side of the equation. I think that there's a lot more focus there, and there's definitely an opportunity, and there's a market that's established in a way that the smartphone market isn't. Um, 
I think the reaction, I don't know, I, I'm gonna get the quote wrong, but it's something along the lines of less space than nomad, lame. <laughs> yeah. Everyone will be like, oh, it's a fitness band, but it doesn't do all these things. It doesn't, you know, do my notifications. It doesn't do all this other stuff that, you know, my various other wearable devices could do. They're gonna stack it up against the mythical product that we never got, right? Uh, and that's the hardest bar Apple always has to, to uh, pass is what other people think they're going to do. Um, and that's, you know, a pretty much impossible bar to beat. So that's a tough call. Um, but I do think that they're gonna do something probably sooner rather than later, just because it seems like you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, and I feel like enough stuff has built up around it that it seems likely to happen. But uh, I think we'll, we'll end up with two camps, essentially, which is people who think, hey, you know, this is a pretty cool device, and it does make all these other things I have useful, and it helps me in some way, and then people who will just sort of scoff at it and say, this isn't the mythical iWatch that we were promised. It doesn't change the world. <laughs> it doesn't change the world. It doesn't even change my wrist. My wrist is still my wrist. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I think people will be disappointed, but... I think it's okay because that curve will sort of come around after the initial furor dies, you know, dies down. Everyone will be like, eh, it's actually, it's not bad. Roman. So I agree with Dan that I think that they're going to come Always out with some move. sort of, yes, something fitness related because it seems to make sense with Tim Cook. But I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit, maybe a little, even a little pundit showdown-ish <laughs> a little bit. Defend it. So, so we're at a point now with Apple and the wearables where if they come out with something, more often than not, you're gonna see more disappointment than people being really enthusiastic and satisfied by it. So I think Apple needs to do something really outrageous. And what Apple's really good at is taking existing technologies and making it better. And there is an existing technology, it's Google Glass. So what if Apple made Google Glass better? So instead of this obtrusive thing that's on your face, what if it was unobtrusive? You didn't know it was there, and Apple came out with that. So that would be almost like the, it seems like that's the bar now that Apple needs to reach, that uh, the expectation's so high that if, unless Apple comes out with something like that, everyone else is gonna be disappointed, regardless of how well what they really come out with is executed. I, so. I feel like you're going for, it's like the emperor's new glass. Like, oh yes, yeah. have you seen my wearable? It's, <laughs> it, it's so invisible, you can't even tell it's there. Oh, it's very nice, it's very nice. Yes, yes. Nobody so. tell the emperor that he's not wearing any. <laughs> he's not wearing glasses at all. No, no one really knows what's going on there. He doesn't even own a phone, don't tell him. <laughs> interesting, interesting idea, Roman. I, 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 I think that won't happen, but yeah, I, no, it won't happen. I would, <laughs> it won't, but that's what I, but my point is expectation that was so high. So high. So, and you, and you asked about what people's yes. reaction will be. You're so. right, you're right. You would have to do something completely insane like that yeah. for it to even possibly be taken as, as uh, this amazing, amazing right, thing. Everybody's right. gonna be disappointed. And I think, yeah, I think there's gonna be disappointment about the whole wearable sector because as interesting as it is as a new thing, it's also gonna be small and quirky and not for everybody. And that's why I think the number one thing that we'll get is, I don't want this. <laughs> People offended that somebody might bring out a, a product that isn't just for them. And we'll have a lot of that with all of the wearable stuff that we see yeah. because it's not for everybody. It's gonna have very specific uses. Just like all our bodies are different, all the stuff we wear is gonna be different and different people want different things. All right, let's move on. Renee, do you have a topic for us? I do, because you chose wearables. I wanted to go the other way. I wanted to do projectables. 
And I think that's the other growth category. You're going to project things onto our bodies? No, we'll project things from our body. So instead of whoa, taking, that, instead of are you feeling okay? Yeah. I, I am. So instead of taking, for example, our our phone and then having something on our wrist that goes to our phone, I want to take our phone and send it out. And we've seen this with Apple TV and AirPlay, where I can take my media, I can take my entire screen and mirror it. And now Apple's doing bi-directional AirPlay on the car. They're doing um, CarPlay, where I can take the interface that's on my phone, I can project it into my car. It's still the apps I use. It's not the horrible sync. X thing, whatever the car maker has, if I'm lucky enough to get it. But it's something that stays with me. If I get a new version of iOS, my car is better. I get a new version of the iPhone, my car is better. And Apple is never going to be Samsung or LG. They're not going to make refrigerators and toilets and vacuum cleaners. And they're never going to license. <laughs> they're not going to license iOS. But what they could do is allow iOS to project to other things beyond televisions, beyond cars. I'd love iOS on my Canon camera. I'm not opposed to my refrigerator using iOS to tell me I need to buy more milk. I think there's all these advantages to decoupling interface and allowing iOS to be everywhere. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to be said for that. We were talking just a little bit beforehand about this uh, new initiative that United is doing on their flights where they have sort of offloaded the heavy lifting of their entertainment system to the devices people are already carrying with them. So many of us get on our planes with our iPads or our iPhones and instead of having you know displays in every seat back, you can instead access sort of an in-flight entertainment server right on the device that you already have. Uh, and that prevents it from saying that like, you know, your, your plane gets a new entertainment system and then it's out of date like in a year when everybody's updated their phones. But instead, as Renee is saying, your phone gets better, the in-flight entertainment can get better. Uh, and there are a couple other places I noticed that this would be super useful. Uh, among one of them is uh, I go to the gym and I get on like one of the exercise machines and it's got like a TV in there. But I'm like, oh man, how great would it be if I could just like, put up my, you know, throw my iTunes content onto that television and watch it while I'm at the gym rather than being forced to watch, you know, 150 channels of cable. Supernatural in the gym. Yeah, you know, that's exactly what I want to be doing. I want to be catching up while I'm working out rather than having these televisions that invariably break or only show reruns of King of Queens, which I just really can't <laughs> deal with right now. So I think this whole projectable thing is super interesting between uh, CarPlay and these like in-flight uh, entertainment initiatives, AirPlay, all this stuff. There's a lot of possibility there, and we're all going to be carrying around devices with us more and more. So it seems like the smart thing to do is to build infrastructure in so that rather than duplicating, hey, this in-flight system already does what my phone does, just not as well, why don't we just use that and leverage it so that we can take advantage of it there? So that's, I, th I think it's a cool idea, and I'd like to see Apple do more of it. I recently bought a car, and it comes with Microsoft Sync. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Yes. I'm so, it's I'm so, so sorry. disappointing. <laughs> and so I would love to have that capability. When CarPlay was announced, I thought, oh, no, I, I should have waited. What did I do? How would I know that? But yeah, it's like, oh, can I return my car now? So yeah, I would, I would love to have that ability in my car and other products as well. Also, you know, it's always good for a company to have different means of revenue. And if that's a w another way that Apple can make money, that, that's, that's, that's good too, so. Yeah. I, like, I like Apple being in the business of doing what it knows how to do and projecting itself into places where the current stuff doesn't know how to, they, they don't know how to do it, right? So when you talk about something like the car, 
car interfaces aren't good. They're so bad. They're terrible. And they never get updated, right? Nope. Or you have to take them to the dealer and wait eight hours. Dan, don't you have a story uh, yeah, about I had, a, to, I had a Bluetooth update? bug where it would like duplicate the audio over the like, I get the left channel of audio over both speakers. <laughs> and I took it, it was months, it was months before they updated the firmware and I had to take it to the dealer and like sit around for a couple hours while they updated it. I'm like, I can update the apps on my phone so much faster. Like, why is there not a facility for doing this over the air? And some car, uh, Tesla does actually have over the air updates, which is great, but most cars don't. And it's the electronics, it's all it's all offshored, right? 200 bucks on an SD card. Right. Yeah, but, exactly. But, so, so use the technology from the places where it is fast moving, where it's up to date, where the car makers don't need to support the updates, right? They just are like, look, just project it. We don't need to know. I don't want to know. We got buttons, we got a screen, you do whatever. Dumb screen, yeah. And I like that. That's, a, that's uh, I think that's good. And the people who build those systems now for cars will be sad, but the car makers will be happy, their customers will be happy, and Apple will be happy, and I think that's, uh, I think it's good. I'm very satisfied. I, I love it. I like, the, I like the idea of dumb pipes, dumb screens. The more dumb things I can project my smart things onto, the better. Yeah, yeah let's stop with these things that are halfway dumb and halfway smart, just one or the other. Dan? Topic? Uh, yeah, so uh, obviously one of the big pieces of news that came out in the last uh, week or so was Facebook acquiring Oculus Rift. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Oculus Rift, it was a Kickstarter project that is sort of like VR goggles that you wear, and I think it was mainly aimed at gaming. Um, and Facebook uh, decided that, what the heck, we'll, we've got some billions of dollars burning holes in our pocket, we'll spend a couple billion dollars on acquiring these guys. And it, it caused a bit of an uproar um, one from Kickstarter backers who I guess feel like this is not what they were intent they were backing, not that necessarily that's in any of their business, but also just sort of a question of like, what is Facebook's, what is Facebook doing? <laughs> and I think that's what it comes down to for me is like, all right, I can kind of understand the, the WhatsApp acquisition, even if they're gonna pay like $19 billion for it, that seems crazy, but what, why did they, like Mark Zuckerberg just got like bored, like he's going window shopping for companies now. Um, so I don't, I'm, I'm interested to know what you guys think is Mark Zuckerberg's fiendish plan for Oculus Rift. Roman, what, what is happening? Well, you can look at it as Mark Zuckerberg has so much more money that he can just buy whatever he wants, and this is proof of it. Uh, also, maybe, maybe it seems to me more like Facebook is becoming more of a conglomerate of businesses, maybe not necessarily tied together, um, but you have, you, know, you have the WhatsApp and the Instagram. Those are more social. And then you have the Oculus Rift. that shows that they're trying to diversify, trying to get into other revenue streams. It makes them sound like Google a little bit, right? A little bit, yeah. yes. Maybe they want to be more like Google. I don't, you know, who, who knows really. But to me, that's what it seems like. They're, they're trying to be a little more diverse and to be more of Facebook as a big company than just this recognizable social network. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think this is like Google buying Nest. I think it's an example of a company that has so much money and they, they have a fear of their own mortality. They are afraid that the thing that made them dominant and with billions and billions and billions of dollars is gonna go away. They, they see that this has happened to every dominant company in the past. And I think both companies say, let's spend this money we've got now to buy all of these interesting things that we think will be the next big thing, because if one of them is the next big thing, then look, we survive and we become something else. And I think they looked at Oculus and said, VR technology is gonna be huge. This is a company that's got some of the smartest people in the world working on this technology. They're in danger of falling behind another company with big pockets like Sony, which announced their intent to do a VR headset. And 
if we give them an influx of cash, then they're gonna do great stuff and we're gonna own all of it. So let's do it. Even though it's not gonna be like, you can see Facebook on goggles <laughs> and it'll be in 3D. That's not, I think that's not the game. Just like the Nest story is not, Google will now know what temperature it is in your house. I think it's more like with, with the Nest and self-driving cars and all that stuff, Google is just like, hey, we got money. Let's spend it on a bunch of stuff and see what happens. Future-proofing. And, and yeah. yeah, just so that something will hit and they'll have a future. So I think that you know the companies are fundamentally different. Apple has always just wanted to get your money, where Google and Facebook want to get your attention. And Apple has been good at reinventing themselves. They went from Macs to iPods to iPhones. So as one business went down or plateaued, they had another big growth business. Facebook has tried. They've tried all sorts of crazy things with Facebook, with their mail, with their newsfeed. They've not been able to make any product that's as good or looks like it could replace Facebook. So they had to acquire them. Instead of building their own obsolescence, they're acquiring things that might take away their attention or might obsolete them eventually. Apple is constrained by time. If you're making an iPhone, you can't make something else. Facebook is gonna be constrained by money because you're spending a billion on Instagram, 19 billion on WhatsApp, two billion on Oculus. Something else might, oh no, it's threatening my attention. I have to be willing to throw more money at that. So if my goal is to have Facebook they don't necessarily need you to know it's Facebook. They're happy to leave Instagram alone. They're happy to leave WhatsApp alone. But the attention is still coming to Facebook. They're still taking your data and doing things with it. And Oculus, it's not a web page. You can go off and do something else. It's not an app you can switch to another app. It's on your head. You have to physically take this off of your head. Otherwise, they're going to own everything that you're seeing and everything you're interacting with. And I think it's, it's hedging against the future. It's wanting your attention. But I don't know if it'll ever be enough. It's an, un, it's an unsatiable creature. I'm, I'm coming around to thinking that, that Mark just thought, you know what goes really great with this gray hoodie? A $2 billion <laughs> VR headset. That really completes the ensemble for me. I can't wait to see him walking around Mission Park in San Francisco. Yeah, you probably won't get mugged wearing that, <laughs> yes. right? Well, All you'll right. see the robot that's feeding the video back to him <laughs> with his headset. Right. Uh, the new future scares me. Roman, do you have a topic for us? Yes, so this show is known, has a long history and uh, a lot of new products get announced at this show. And today there was a major product announcement, though it didn't happen at this show. Uh, Microsoft announced today Office for iPad. Here in San Francisco, no less. Yes, yes in San Francisco. Down the road, the show. a week before their event. <laughs> yes. So uh, I was wondering what you guys thought of it. Um, it's, you can get Microsoft Word, Excel, and PowerPoint on your iPad. Uh, you can read, doc, access doc, existing Office documents, but to create new documents, you have to have an Office 365 subscription. Um, so that's part of their model. Uh, just wondering what you guys think about Office for iPad, Jason? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's overdue. A lot of people who need to get work done on the iPad have already found other ways to do it that don't involve Microsoft. I think People whose companies rely on Microsoft will love it because it'll be integrated with all those Microsoft services. In fact, our company is an Office 365 yes. company, so I was able to use my IDG login and get access to um, all of those apps. And, and there are people you know, at our company who will be like, oh, my Excel files are now on my iPad, yay. And that's good, and there'll be file compatibility that a lot of the other apps don't offer. But yeah, it feels like a, two years ago it would have been a much bigger story and now it feels yeah. like a, a business story and not a consumer story. Like everybody else has sort of moved on. That said, 
if it helps convince people that the iPad is not just a, a movie playing device and a reading device, but is actually a device right. for getting work done, for doing you know, Word documents and, and PowerPoint presentations and Excel spreadsheets, then I think that's good. It's just, it's unfortunate it was this late and I think and now our perception of how office is used has changed to be much more like businesses and not, you know, not regular consumers. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Is it you know, better late than never or is it just too late? And that's going to be interesting <laughs> to see. And also, it's not the office that everybody necessarily wanted. It's tied to your 360, uh, 65 subscription. So it's not like I work where I can go buy the apps, pay one set of money up front, and then just use them as long as I no, want. you've got to rent them. Yeah, it's, and it's Satya Nadell. He's a brand new CEO of Microsoft. It's in his wheelhouse because he's software as a services guy. Uh, so I, I don't know how I'm going to use this because I don't have a 365 account. Um, it's flabbergasting to me that it didn't come earlier. It's crazy to me that when Microsoft shipped their own tablet, they didn't have a touch version of Office for it. But what's also crazy to me is that when you look at the spectrum of stuff that they're doing, does this even matter anymore? Is this even relevant? Because everyone is moving to the cloud. Everyone is doing these different things. And I don't know if I necessarily need Microsoft on my iPad. And what's more is, like ActiveSync, how do the Surface guys feel now that they're one of their few advantages has been given to everybody else on tablets? Yeah, right. If you want to use Surface, you have to use the uh, old Windows yes. version of Office, not the fancy touch version of Office. That's only on the iPad right now. What a world. I, I think the, the nice thing for Apple is that it does check that box, right? And if people are coming into the store and being like, oh, yes, I'm considering buying this iPad, but can I you know, work with my Microsoft Word documents? They can say, absolutely. They can, can combat go. all those Microsoft Surface ads that yeah, say exactly. it doesn't have Office. Right, right, exactly. Well, I mean, <laughs> and that's great. It checks a box. Again, is it one that was necessarily a big deal? Because then those Apple guys can also turn around and say, but you know, we also got our own you know, pages, and it works pretty great for all these things, and it can sort of read documents, things like that. And, and maybe, you know, even if they use, kind of the, the, the damning thing in some ways about Microsoft Office is like, you know, again, you buy the pages once, and it's like if you convince somebody, hey, uh, you know, I see you're using Office, but maybe you should try pages, they could easily just say, all right, I'm going to just stop paying for, for Office, right? Like, in some ways, Microsoft does get that money, but it also can be cut off at a certain point. Whereas if you bought pages, you bought it. Like, they have your money. They won. Um, and so I think that it is weird because it does feel like at this point, does it really matter that much? Uh, and I have to say, I don't think it does. Uh, I think it's, again, as we were saying, I think there are some people for whom this will be a good bullet point and it will sort of check that box and they'll go like, all right, I can do that, but I'm not convinced that there's going to be, there's definitely not going to be an influx of people like, oh, I can finally get office on my iPad. Let's run out and buy an iPad. I was holding off on it. Yeah. But I, it is If your nice. organization does everything in one of these file formats, sure. if everything you do every day is Word files, you probably can't get away with using pages. So for people like probably that, not. it's a big deal. But that used to that used to be it's a small computer yeah, users. Right. It's a such small percentage, right? I mean, you look at you look at you know Tim Cook talking on the financial calls every three months, and it's like I, the iPad's not having trouble in the enterprise mm -hmm. department, right? Fortune right. 500 deployments, Fortune 100 deployments, they're all over the place. This did not hold them back. Mm -hmm. And if Microsoft was playing sort of a game of you know chicken, thinking like they could <laughs> hold them, you know like hamstring them while they were coming out with something like the Surface, it did not work. No. And so really they ended up shooting themselves in the foot, I think. Have we satisfied your... Yes, well just to, just to keep us on, t on track for time, I'm gonna say every, you know, I agree with what everyone else said about Office. It's, you know, it'll be successful because Office's install base is huge, but most people have moved on, you know. I'll use it only because 
so long as I can continue working for IDG, <laughs> yeah. I'll use it. But after that, yeah. yeah it, actually, one of the big winners with this announcement is Microsoft, because all of those Fortune 500 companies that have iPads will now use Office. Now, now will be like, yeah. oh, well, now it's more convenient. Maybe we should keep Office 365. Yeah. When before right. they might have been like, you know, it doesn't even work on our iPads. Maybe we don't need Office anymore. And so, in a funny way, <laughs> Microsoft scrambling. No, 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 Microsoft, no, 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 no. We're on the iPad too. We're on the iPad too. Please don't go. Don't go. How much the world changes. All right. So now it's time. We've done four topics, have we not? We have. So we've got a little extra time. We like to do a topic that is different uh, as our fifth topic. And here is my topic for you. It is slightly tech related. Renee mentioned earlier Apple doesn't make dishwashers. They don't make refrigerators. If Apple were to make a household appliance or any device that's not a device that Apple makes now or is rumored to make, what would it be and why? Renee, what do you think? So I will, I will vote for an iEspresso maker because these things are just so complicated. <laughs> it takes so long to make. They're so fussy. I can never get it right. Tim Cook's got a Clover machine. I think he could take that, make an i version of that where it's not that little um, AeroPress, but it'll still make me a fabulous cup of iCoffee in the morning. iCoffee. Got it. Dan? Toaster fridge. <laughs> well played. All right. Now I would say to toast. I would really like an apple toaster because I like I like my bagels toasted. I like toast. I like everything that's toast related. And so the ability to know real time how dark is my toast getting? Is it being burned? Is it evenly being? No, they'll toasted? decide for you how toast how dark it gets. <laughs> you only get one setting, and it's toast. Um, I I just I really like the idea that I can toast stuff remotely, and it will like give me a little push notification when my toast comes up and. I, I think that'd be great. I'm all over an Apple toaster. Isn't I think there actually are toasters out I there not that shocked. have an optical sensor that actually have a, basically take a picture of the bread to see how dark it is. And great, just send it to my phone. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, all right, you can come up now. Yeah. Or no, it needs another 30 seconds. Roman? I'm going to say something really boring. I would like a an iOS-based gas electric meter, just so I could. Get. You're right. That is really boring. No. Yes, it's really boring. <laughs> but just to get in-depth stats and stuff on how, how I'm using my gas in my house and how I'm using my electricity. Because um, I look at it now, and it, I, just because I'm bored and have nothing else to do in my house, <laughs> so I look at my meter. And it just looks like a, a UI that could use some improvement. I mean, it's not glamorous, and Apple's never going to get no, into I think it. You should, I think you should say Google should get into that, because oh, then you could have a great social <laughs> network with all your friends right. about how much gas they're using in their houses. Yes. I get a thing, I don't know if you guys, I get a thing every month from my gas company where it like gives me sort of like the average of my surrounding neighbors, and they're like, your neighbors use this much gas, you use this much gas, you could be using this little gas if you were a little better of a person. I'm like, Gas shaming. Yeah, essentially. Yes. I'm like, but my, it's really, really cold in Boston, I need heat. <laughs> But your neighbors don't use that much heat, Dan. What's, What's wrong, wrong with, with you? <laughs> um, I don't really know what I would ask for for an Apple appliance. I'm going to say dishwasher. I don't really know why. Maybe I could watch like a movie on my dishwasher while it was washing the dishes. Or it could put like a video of a monkey cleaning the dishes while it was cleaning the dishes. Or I could check with my phone and it could say whether the dishwasher was clean or not, I don't really know. Well, you could play threes on your dishwasher. <laughs> that, that might would, be entertaining. Yeah. Or the other alternative, and they actually do make smart locks. A, a smart lock from Apple might be fun uh, with a completely different way to unlock your door than you've ever seen. You've never swiped to unlock your door? <laughs> yeah, touch ID. Touch ID. Yep. 
Touch ID again. to unlock my door. And again. Well, no, you don't even yeah. need touch ID. You just you walk close uh, enough with your, password. with your iPhone, <laughs> and it just Trusted opens. Bluetooth device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beacons. So smart, smart, uh, smart door. Let's Brilliant. Smart locks. Ship it. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen. All right. Well, we are out of time. That is the Clockwise podcast. It's been roughly 30 minutes. And we don't want to, our pizza budget is very low. We don't want to buy pizza for all of you, so we're going to call it a day now before your pizza is free. I would like to thank the guest next to me, Renee Ritchie. Thanks for being back on. Thank you, Jason. I'm really glad to be here. And Roman Loyola, thank you for joining us once again. Thanks for having me. Well, and as we say goodbye to our wonderful live audience here in San Francisco at Macworld iWorld, I'm Jason Stelv. He's been Dan Morin. And we remind you, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.